All right, and welcome to another episode of Shockwave Solutions, where we present real-life actionable insights for direct response marketers. Today, we have Rich Snitchell with Bowtie Bots, uh, and the website's bowtiebots.com. And so, Rich, thanks so much for jumping in and joining us today. Rich is owns and operates a done-for-you company where they, they handle op- automation and help six-figure entrepreneurs build automations so that they need to scale their business to seven figures and beyond. And so, Rich, again, thanks so much for jumping in and joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. So before we jump into Bowtie Bots and, and talking about that and automation a little bit more, we always like to just get a little bit of background of how people jump into the direct response marketing space. How do you kind of find your way into, into this niche and, and just a little bit of background on yourself? Yeah, sure. So I have a degree in mechanical engineering. And before I owned my company, I spent 10 years working in businesses doing every job you could think of from sales to estimating to project management uh, across the board. And in that journey, I reached a point where I kept having the thought about, you know, like I would do this differently when I was told to do something in the company. And I kept having that thoughts and I got to the point where I was like, okay, maybe I want to get out and, and do this on my own. And when I started out, I actually I didn't start in automation at all. I started in Facebook Messenger bots. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong nerd. I'm the IT person for my entire family. So I have that tech <laughs> background and the, the automation and the bots. Just, I thought it was really cool. And I realized really quickly that I am terrible at writing copy. I am an engineer. Everything comes out like a lab report. I'm not good at that piece. But I was really good at building bots that did really cool things. And then when somebody would ask me, hey, this bot is really cool. How'd you build that? I could Mm -hmm. explain it to them and they could go, okay, yeah, that's really cool. But then they'd go, I have no idea how to do that. Can you just build this for me? (laughs) And in that conversation was this idea around, okay, this is something that I'm really good at about that conversation and helping people get the understanding of how to use automation in their business, how to Mm -hmm. make it powerful. And then once I can get them to that understanding, say, okay, don't worry about it. I will implement my, your vision for you and hand you this complete thing. And obviously when you go to direct marketing, anytime that you can maintain the effectiveness of your communications with people, but you can cut down on the amount of time that it takes you to do that efficiently and and well Mm -hmm. is a win for everybody. So what I do relates really well to, to that type of niche. Got it. So, so let's, let's dive in a little bit just briefly and talk about bots in general and, and how are, how are direct response marketers using them? You know, it, it probably, if you're not familiar with it, it probably seems a little overwhelming or a little bit, you know, kind of too big to figure out how to tackle is my guess. Yeah. And so my recommendation is to start small. If you're, if you're not using a bot right now, if you're not using any type of automation right now, don't mm-hmm. try to automate your entire process from the very, very beginning because that is very overwhelming. Daunting, yeah. Yeah. So if you have a 100% manual process right now, a great place to start would just add in an automated email to set the expectations for how the relationship is supposed to go. Right? Say, hey, I've got you. This is where we're going to head from here. Mm-hmm. And then use your manual process from there. Yeah. So, I mean, Emma has a lot of experience in, in building out email journeys and, and that kind of stuff. Right. And so mm-hmm. a lot of that relies on automation besides setting up. And there's a lot of software systems that are out there. I mean, is that really the simplest way to, to get going is just some automated email systems or, or are there other elements that bots can really take a, a big crack at helping direct response marketers solve? 
So it's definitely the email side. And then it's the understanding what happened in the email so that mm -hmm. you can do something because something happened instead of, I think something happened. So give me an example of what that looks like. So your email has a specific call to action because you're trying to get somebody to click on a link or go to a website or, you know, show up on a web page. Sure. And you probably have a couple emails to you know, bug them to go do that. And they're all based off the assumption that they haven't done it yet. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the programs now allow you to say, oh, okay, somebody clicked the link. Okay, so do a decision tree that your second email, if they click the link, change your copy. Don't just say, hey, go click this link. Hey, I noticed you clicked the link. You know, did you understand what was going on? Do you need help moving forward? You know, the next layer to that, what is it? be connected to whatever the trigger for that next step right. is and pull that in as well. So you can go, hey, I know you click the link. I know you got to here. You know, here's some common issues that we have. Here's how I can sell you again, knowing that you've seen my sales page. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, how do I continue that conversation knowing where you are in this journey that I'm trying to take you through? Right. So a lot of people are, will are, automatically have a number of different email journeys that they set up for, for the customers who buy, for customers who don't buy, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to set up, you know, maybe they're going to have a series or a journey for warming up an audience to a certain target, you know, to be able to be able to then place in different offers or affiliate offers or whatever, right? And so there's, mm -hmm. there's a number of different journeys that customers may go through or, or email subscribers may go through and then re-engage into, you know, right. other journeys and journey two, journey three, you know, whatever. So taking a step out, of email marketing specifically and solely, uh -huh. what are some of the ways that you see bots being used outside of email marketing specifically? Are, are you seeing like text message responses? Are you seeing other forms of you know call automation or, or other types of engagement? I'm trying to get an understanding from you know what other types of options as well. Yeah. Uh, Instant messaging, yeah, right? Yeah, or, text is definitely a big one. Facebook Messenger is a big one. I think mm -hmm. the challenge I see with Facebook Messenger is it, it's changing a lot. So it's not a, you can't set something up and let it live for as long as you can with mm -hmm. email and text, just based off of the way that Facebook has to run their business and the different laws and rules around how you can communicate with people. I think it can be really powerful if it's set up correctly, but it is, it needs a lot more management in real time, mm -hmm. but text is certainly an incredibly powerful option. I mean, I, I respond to text way quicker than I respond to email for sure. and if you're setting the expectations correctly that, hey, I'm going to send you a text and you're doing it not to, you know, to provide value, I think that that's also an amazing way to go. And there are a lot of solutions out there that do it. I mean, Active Campaign has a text process in their system. Mm -hmm. Acuity that I use for my scheduling like, has a text aspect in their system. So all of those companies wouldn't be adding it if there wasn't a proven track record that it had value. Right, right. And so, so when you're, when you work with clients, are there certain aspects that you really see people diving into most frequently, like the maybe top two or three areas where they're like, this is a, a simple thing that you can begin automating to really move the needle on marketing campaign engagement. You know, what, what are the, what are the best uses for yeah. automations and bots? The first thing that I have my clients do, if they haven't done anything at all is add tagging to their system mm -hmm. and then offload those tags to a Google sheet. Because okay. the tagging in your email marketing system allows you to use it to make decisions in your, your email flows. But yeah. 
the tags in that system are really hard to look at and understand and pull out information from. And that's why we put it into the Google Sheet because you can search for fields, you can search by dates, name, number of tags. Right? So you can start building charts or look up table. Yeah. Right. You can get as granular as you need to to make informed decisions about what's going on. And the sheet is just a great way to see that data. So it's about getting that data set started to be built. Right. If we don't mm -hmm collect the data, then we have nothing to make this decision on. Right. So start building that out and then put it in a place where you can actually interpret it and then you know, decide like, oh, hey, I, I noticed that email three, nobody opens and email four, they do. Let's move email three, four, two days and change the date filter in Google Sheets so that you can go then back in a month and separate those out. Okay, what changed? Is this better? Mm -hmm. Is this worse? Did it do nothing at all? Maybe time doesn't matter. Maybe it's really my copy, right? You need, but you need that data to start having that conversation. Mm -hmm. So really point step one for anybody who wants to begin to get into automations is to tag things and just begin to compile the data on the responses, information yes. systems that they're running. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so then are there certain, is there certain structure that you suggest or recommend on tagging on building tags out? Or do you get that granular with clients? Yeah, I would say for me, I use, I'm a JavaScript coder. So uh -huh. I use camel case for all of my tags. Mm -hmm. And I try to create buckets of tags where the first word is like the big bucket sale, right? So that's your, your beginning point for any tag. And then if you want to add more detail into it, you would put words after that. So sale gene, sale widget, whatever it is. And then you follow that logic through everything. And it does two things. One, when you're looking at the tag, mm -hmm. it's easy for you to understand where it's going. Okay. And two, if you see a tag someplace else, because you know the structure, even the if, of it. Yeah. Right, even if somebody else created the tag, you're at least starting ahead in the trying to understand it, right? Somebody on your team created this tag for something because they wanted to track it. Tag, you know, tags are easy throw as many tags as you want in, they don't really hurt anything. It's just more data to use. Mm -hmm. So if you're staring at a bunch of tags and you have, you know, sale, lead, you know, chargeback, problem, right? Okay, those are four buckets that if I see a tag associated with that, I already know where I'm heading mm -hmm. and that's helping you understand the intent of why it's there and you don't have to go backwards in time and go, why did I make this? Did I mean that it was a problem internally? Did I mean that it was a problem with shipment? Yeah. You're helping give context to that. Okay. So, so you build out your structure for your tags, you begin to compile the data and then, and you already have an idea of the journey that you want to take people through and mm -hmm. how to engage them and re-engage them. So you, you're mapping that out, right? So that you can take people through that engagement and right. hopefully to bring it back into a sale or identify where problems are happening where they're calling into customer service or, you know, issues that are coming up, mm -hmm. right? So any, any of those points that you want to action and, and what are the types of, what are the types of actions that people typically do with automations besides, you know, triggering an email? Like, like, do you look through the entire flow of their engagement and, and go, okay, you know what, we're noticing these things lead to, I don't know, chargebacks or, or complaints or, you know, whatever. And so let's re-engage them and, you know, Map this out. Like yeah. I'm just curious how, how you how you work with clients or how you've seen people utilize that to to make yeah. a difference. What's the difference that they actually make with these automations? Yeah, the, one of the big things that I do, and I love doing this with people because it changes the way that they operate in their business, is mm -hmm. using those tags to understand when things aren't working the way that they're supposed to. 
So okay. you know, a common reason for a chargeback could be they didn't have the right expectations of the product, or maybe if it's a delivery, they're not getting the product quick enough and they get frustrated, so right. they return it back to you. Right? So you could use those tags to know, okay, this product got sold and then set up an automation to confirm that in three days, it's actually shipped out. Mm -hmm. Or this product got sold, send them the review from somebody, the video review from somebody who used that product, who really loved it. This is how we use it so that the, you're setting the expectations of what's going on. So it's that ability to have something happen. And then if it doesn't happen, understand that, okay, this didn't happen because I'm expecting this next tag to show up and it's not there anymore. Mm. This is that, temp, you know, 90% of the time, shouldn't matter, but it's that 10% that really kills you. So use the automation to notify you in an email every Monday morning, hey, these are the things last week that happened that you need to go hunt down because they're okay now, but it could become a problem by this afternoon. So get ahead of it. You know, your customers just wanna be informed about what's going on. They just want a, a flow of information and automation is amazing for that. It doesn't have to be personal. It just has to be, hey, we know this happened. We're working on it. We're going to get back to you in the next 24 hours. We're going to tell you exactly what happened and how we're going to fix it. And we're going to make, make it right for you. Right. We're, we got you. Mm -hmm. So then I got it. Yeah. And so, I mean, essentially you could tie this into all different kinds of uh, information flows, right? As long as you can get the data to it, you can create a bot yeah. then that, that delivers the information in whatever format that you decide is most effective for your clients. Or your yeah, exactly. Device. Okay, so then let's let's talk about specific use cases, other specific use cases about maybe customer re-engagement, maybe they're a lead, they've entered in some information, but then they're not, they're not making a purchase. You know, do you get into talking about the types of disclosures that need to be made on like terms and conditions with, with people who are using automations or, or engagement? In different, different I different? don't, my, my strength is being able to design mm -hmm. the flow that you want. And I'm good at having that conversation with somebody else and mm -hmm. recognize that, okay, this is, we should talk about the terms, but because I work with a lot of different industries, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not qualified to do that. I, you know, I know enough to be dangerous. So <laughs> I have to be really upfront about that fact that I, I have an idea of where you need to go. I can tell you we're, you know, there's the middle lane that's really safe. We don't have to worry about anything. If we start going off to the left or the right, we have to start being careful. Mm -hmm. And ultimately it, I have to leave that up to the, you know, the person I'm working with because they've got to do the due diligence on what they're allowed yeah, to do. With you. Yeah. yeah. I, I could tell you that you, you need to do some due diligence on this. Here's the risks that I see that are going to happen. You know, if we start spamming somebody with text messages, <laughs> you know, and we haven't informed them of that, this is what's going to happen. If we're in Facebook messenger, you know, there are some rules around re-engagement times when you can re-engage, you need to go do your due diligence to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. I can build a system around those requirements that you come up with after you've done your due diligence. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's move to like another area because I've had conversations with people who are looking to do automations when it comes to like live chat, right? Mm -hmm. And and maybe chat bots and some of those types of things. And you know, it how how effective can that really be? I mean, how do you really build out something that's that's that doesn't make customers feel like they're <laughs> talking to a robot essentially, right? right. Going through like some automated engagement that they know is just and they yeah. get frustrated with, right? The way that I personally like to use it is being really open about the fact that it is a bot. Mm. I think in a, a 
year or two, AI is going to get to the point where maybe that relationship changes. But right now, people are smart. They know when they're talking to a bot or not. Mm -hmm. You can make it a little bit more fun with different responses so that it's not the same thing. You know, if they come back the next day, their interaction with it isn't exactly the same, like a phone tree that you've called 10 times. (laughs) So you can make the experience better by using it. But I I think- An example of what that looks like? So somebody says, hey, when's my shipment? And instead of saying, hold on, I will contact somebody, maybe have a, a list of five different responses that it can go through. And you just randomly choose which response it's going to say so that they, uh, they don't get the same response over again. And then you give them a choice of how to proceed. So I, I like bots in terms of being able to guide people closer to where they need mm. to go. Maybe we can answer it if it's a commonly you know, asked question or maybe they need to go and talk to somebody on my team to get it resolved with a human. Mm-hmm. But that interaction with the bot weeds out the people who just have a question that can be answered. And if it does go to my team because it's a bot and it, because it's automation, I know all of their answers. So the mm-hmm. request doesn't go to my team blind and they right. go, hey, how's it going today? What's your problem? I just spent five minutes with your bot telling you <laughs> what my problem is. Why are you asking me this again, right? right. They get a message saying, you know, this is their name, this is their email, this is why they're here. They answered these four questions this way. So you can go, hey, I understand that you're having trouble shipment today. I, you know, I see that you ordered it on Thursday. Mm-hmm. It's now Tuesday. Let me go, let me look, take a look at that for you. Mm. Right? So you, you can improve the conversation you have once you get to a, a human by pulling in all of that information, which you would do anyway. It's just more efficient with a bot. And again, you're only working with that. 10, 20% who really need to talk with you Got it's a, it. as a filtering mechanism. Right, right, right. Now, besides, so so that's a fantastic use case, right? Being able to, to save customer service hours, being able to gather some of that information so that they're engaged a little bit more and they have quality information right at the time they pick up the phone with those customers. Right. So, so that's one use case, fantastic. Another use case I'm wondering about is if when it comes to you know, maybe from a marketing perspective or product launches, have you seen people use that as a way to gather information about maybe future products or taking surveys or other types of engagement to get data or gather data from their customers or their customer base? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that can work really well, depending on your audience. I've seen that fall flat on its face before, Mm. and then I've seen that do really amazingly. And I think that depends on how you engage with your audience. Uh, certainly a a younger generation is going to be on Facebook Messenger all the time. That's going to feel a little bit more natural to them. Mm -hmm. If you have people that aren't on Facebook all the time, or they're more comfortable with an email form, or they don't really understand what's going on, that's something where they may not get what, what you're trying to do. But I think the theory is the same of how you use it, depending on whether or not it's a bot or it's a form that you send, or it's a Google form that you send them to a link, you know, however you're doing it, it's still a valid way of trying to gain information. And I would say, if you're going to do something like that, do it in all of them, right? And just have them all point to the same Google sheet to store the records. They don't have to, you don't have to do just one thing. Mm-hmm. You can do them all and then have them all go to the same point. And then you are letting your, your customer choose their preferred way to communicate Format. with you. Yeah. 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 So when you said like, you've seen things kind of fall flat on their face when people are testing different methods, are there certain trends where you see like, Oh, in this type of scenario, <laughs> it's not a good idea to, to use this or set this up. When I've seen it, it's just been a, a misunderstanding of 
what the expectation is from the client. Like if it's something brand new mm -hmm. and you've never put a bot in front of them before, they're not used to this method. And then all of a sudden you just point them to the bot because you're like, Hey, this is really cool. I want to put all my, get all my reviews now through Facebook messenger bot. That's not going to convert well because you're adding so much friction to that experience because you've mm. changed everything so dramatically. You need to introduce it earlier in the sequence when it's not what they need to do, it's what they can do so that they start to get mm -hmm. comfortable with the idea that, okay, I can email you, I can send you a text, or I can jump on your Facebook business page and I can send you a message this way. If this is the first time that they're hearing of this, and then you're asking them to you know, put in their email and a bunch of questions and answer a bunch of responses, I think that people start to get a little bit worried about that. Like I have it too, and I'm in the space <laughs> of why am I here? Right? This, this isn't where I'm supposed to be, right? Mm. I've been emailing with you the whole time. Why am I in this new, new place and you're asking me to do a different format? Yeah, I think it's a natural response that we all have. So that's interesting because essentially what you're saying is, you know, consumers or, or your audiences tend to have their own preferred engagement method, right? Mm -hmm. And so when they're engaging with you, when you provide them the options to engage, right, you're going to see them typically select one or maybe two, two formats or two channels, right? right. Maybe, it's, maybe it's messaging, maybe it's email, maybe it's a phone call. You know, are you seeing different, different engagement? Because I'm imagining with your position, you can see audiences engage through messaging, through text messaging, through chat messaging, through email messaging, right? So there's, you see all these different flows of data and are you, are you tying that into audience bases or demographics? You know, do you see, do you have visibility into, you know, who tends to respond better to different channels? I don't know that, but I do connect everything so that my clients could start looking at that. Mm -hmm. So we, we can, we definitely tie all of those back into your Google analytics or your Facebook marketing pixels when stuff happens so that you build out that data and you can start looking at it granularly, but I don't know like what the specifics between everybody is and, and how that breaks down. Okay. So more people tend to work with you on designing and building the structure, but not necessarily digging into the data and analyzing the analytics of what's available. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. When you do that, what is, what's the easiest way or what's the, what's the highest engagement that you see when you offer chat and how you do it, right? Or if you, or how you offer automation to, to get people engaged with you. You see it typically most responses on text messages because people, you know, don't get text messages. Well, it depends. They may get <laughs> messages quite, quite often, but, but ten, people tend to respond more to text than they do other forms of, of communication, email and, and other stuff. Yeah. I think if it's short text is better. Mm -hmm. If it's long form email is still king. Nobody wants to read a text that they have to scroll through. Right. So I think it, it's based off the message. If you just have something really short, Hey, you know, here's the link to go get to something. Hey, I wanted to check in about whatever's going on. That's great for text because it's really short. It's sweet. They can look at it. They can go, okay, cool. Right. And then they put their phone down. They don't have to sit there and read and scroll and, and try to figure out what's going on. So mm -hmm. if you need that long form, you want to, you know, you just wrote a blog post and you want to put your blog post in your email, you have a video that you want to have show up and then contacts below it. I think email is still better for that communication form. Mm-hmm. And then bots are better when there has to be a little bit of a, a back and forth, right? Like there's a, there's an initial question and then you want to give them something depending on how they answer. 
right? Right, so that you can direct the based on the logic of the response, right? Right, right, because back and forth text still doesn't work well because nobody wants to do a back and forth with you during mm -hmm. with text unless it's actually you. They want to. They don't want to talk to a text bot. Yeah, they would just want to say, "Okay, hey, cool, this is awesome," and then be done with it. That that brings up a, a curiosity for me when I think about you know what's the average type of responses or how many responses is appropriate in automations like this, like whether it's text or emails that are automated or, you know, even like instant messaging type of stuff. At what point do people get, seem to get frustrated or are people like, okay, well, like, you know, one or two responses, but 15 responses go, go pound sand. <laughs> <laughs> what's your experience yeah. show you? Yeah, I'd say I like the, the one, three, seven day to start with for a lot of things immediately after a day after still on your mind, do a follow-up three days okay. after, right? So it'd be two days at three days, one, three, and seven off after your initial interaction. And you're talking about email or you're talking about text messaging? It can be both, mm -hmm. either one. And then after seven, I think that depends on how annoying you want to be to your client, really. Like I have people who they will text and email you until you yell at them to stop and they'll do it every month. And it works great for them. Right. The, but I have other people who like, they're like, I can't go beyond two weeks because it doesn't matter. And I think one of the big differences I see in when you choose to do either option mm -hmm. is how relevant that initial interaction might be two weeks out, a month out, a year out. Right. If, so it's like, it's a well thought out journey, essentially. Like if you're taking them through this engagement, like what is, what's the overall right. story and what's the path that you really want them to connect with? Right. You? And does it make right. sense coherent? Yeah, if you contacted me for a Black Friday sale and it's now January, I don't, right? Or it's after Black Friday. Like, I, why am I continuing a conversation with you for something that is no longer applicable to mm -hmm. my journey with you? Mm -hmm. Re-engage them some other place and then continue it. Got it. So, yeah. So, so have you seen, because you, you made a comment about, you know, copywriting early on. Are there certain copywriters that are, you know, more specific? Like, do you see people who've really put together dialed in engagement or, or have this kind of like as a specialty? The copy I love the, the most is by a guy named Scott Oldford. He's in sales and marketing. He has a ROI method and it's his theory on how to sell. And he talks about uh, slow lane, sidewalk, slow lane, fast lane of understanding what, what zone you're intended customer is in like do they need to be convinced that you even exist do they need to commit be convinced that your your product is the right one for them to buy or do they just need to be given the opportunity to buy the product and then making sure that you're writing to people understanding that that's where their head is at okay so, so you're putting them in a box essentially they're, they're yeah themselves yeah and, and the best copy i see follows that framework right it's consciously knowing that, okay, you're brand new to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hard sell you right now about, Hey, here's the product, go buy it. It's, you know, it's a thousand dollars, right? Here's my thousand dollar course. I just sent you an email. Why, why am I getting sold for this product? I don't know if I want to buy, right. Versus the person that I can see mm -hmm. they've engaged with me for three sure. months. They know who I am. They know what I'm about. They know why they continue to you know, search me out and try to get in contact with me. Okay, treat them differently in the copy that I write. Mm -hmm. And I think that gets back to, you know, building that data set so that you can, if you have no idea at this point, 
you start to build that data set and then you can start to see, okay, I sell people after they've talked to me for five times. So mm -hmm. stop trying to sell them until you've talked to them for five times and figure out how to make your journey reflect that. Right. Hey, I, I'd like to kind of pull you in a little bit about the conversation of, you know, walking through the journeys, because I'm assuming from your experience with, with different email marketing journeys that, you know, there's certain, you see certain types of engagement or you see a way of warming up an audience so that they can begin to engage with you on either your own offers or other offers. And it's not just like, bam, let me sell you. Right. So, I mean, it sounds fairly similar in, in that when it comes to like maybe text messaging or even, you know, some of the chat features that you might do and automations. So, you know, do you have some thoughts when it comes to, you know, the best way when it comes to like engaging people or some thoughts on how they might be able to do that through text or, or other forms of messaging with automations like that outside of just email? So yes, but Richard who works for us is our genius in that. So mm -hmm. he drives most of that. Hopefully I don't say anything that wouldn't align with what he does for our clients, but we do have some SMS. We have mostly email we also have push notifications that are mm -hmm. all automated, but our engagements are generally like warm up with goodwill, prizes, right. free stuff, get them opening it, you know, getting at high rates, getting them clicking through at high rates and then start hitting them. It's kind of a puzzle piece that Richard has when he sees the open rates and the click through rates go, but that's all within all of the services we use like Maripost, active campaign and such. And then are we doing anything with like live chat or chat automations at all with any of our clients? You say like these automations, like they just come with the services we buy. Yeah. Everything's automated. So I don't even understand like manual, why anyone would do anything manually. That seems like sending a fax to me. Uh, so yeah, I just, I don't know. So we generally have, we have automated responders to our chat bots that will allow customers to be put with the correct customer support agent. For example, if it's an issue with wanting a refund, that's super easy. If it's a help me with my purchase or tell me about more products, that's going to go to sales. Mm -hmm. um, so they just click on which one they're looking for, you know, off of our autoresponder. We, I mean, even Facebook has a bot that you can plug in that says, hi, we'll get back to you shortly or sure. call customer service at I mean, everything's automated, so. So then that brings up a good question, Rich. Then, you know, outside of some of the most common automations, what are the, you know, where, where are you seeing a bigger move, needle mover when it comes to maybe something that's a little bit more complex or not as you know, out of the, you know, out of the box, basically, type of solutions? I think where it gets complex is when you start to tie in your different systems. So the idea that if you have a Facebook Messenger bot, you have your email marketing campaign through active campaign, and then you have your text messaging and you have three or four different paths that somebody could go down depending on what they've chosen. If when you get all four of those things to start talking to each other mm -hmm. is when it starts to get really complex, but that's when it starts to get really fun because that's when you can create paths that are tough to duplicate because they're changing based off of what you did in something that's completely unrelated. So if somebody calls in, they get an email back, right? Or they get some answers and then they get a follow-up email. And then it, maybe they get maybe a text message where it's referencing some of that same engagement that they had about, you know, so, so there's continuity between the different communication channels is what you're saying. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when you're working within a silo, it's one 
you know, one level of complexity. And then when you start to connect the silos between each other, that adds a different level of complexity because then you, you need a common data set between all of them, which usually means you then have to offload your database to like an Airtable or something like that. So instead of Active Campaign just holding all of the information that Active Campaign needs to know, mm -hmm. and if it's in there, it's the master record, you now need to have Active Campaign and Facebook and text message and go, okay, now if two of them disagree, who, mm. who gets to trump the other one? Who, which information is correct? And that just re requires you to fill out your thought process that much more detailed of, okay, if there is that discrepancy, I'm going to do it this way, or I'm going to do the last interaction. And so I have to have a date tag in all of my fields now mm -hmm. when I update it. So I know who is the last interaction. Okay, this disagrees, but this hap This was happened last recently. Tuesday. Yeah. This happened yesterday. Okay, we're going to trust the one that happened yesterday and we're going to update based off of that. Yeah, so do you get in involved in helping them map out their tags and their data and their information? Or is it really just kind of up to them to do that and then if, I mean, you don't <laughs> no, know what you don't know, right? Right. No, I'm I'm very good at the mapping out part. Mm -hmm. I, so I I think in 3D. And so I don't I see everything in my head, which makes mm -hmm. it really easy for me when I'm having a conversation with people and they start throwing off different tags and different aspects. I can build the web of that, and then I usually draw it out on a whiteboard so that they can see what I've created through that conversation. Mm -hmm. And then we can walk through each step and just confirm that, yes, okay, you said this, this is how I interpreted it. Is that really what you meant? Or maybe there's an exception in there that we also need to work through. But yeah, there's definitely a, a traditional like consulting aspect of it where it's that conversation back and forth of, okay, what do we want the rules around this to look like based off yeah. of the tags and what we're trusting and where it's going and so one of the things you're talking about is like, you know, you, essentially you're beginning to like imagine what the experience is that you want to be able to deliver, mm -hmm. right? So you kind of have to take a step back from what you're doing and say, what could be, what, what could we do, mm -hmm. right? Do you, is there a process that you take people through to help them understand both the capabilities of what's available and how they could begin to build out those types of experiences for their customers? Yeah, and it starts with defining the bookends of what we're talking about. I think you know, a lot of times we end up like kids in a candy store and we get distracted because we start with an idea and then we go, oh, well, I'm going over here. So start with where the interaction begins, that thing that happens that causes a whole bunch of stuff to occur that creates an intended outcome. Mm -hmm. And then have a conversation about all the stuff that happens in the middle and have that with somebody else, somebody on your team, somebody like me who you hire to help you build it, but have that with another human. Because so then that, they have to explain that entire process, it, right? Exactly. When you say, hey, I'm doing this, they'll be able to say, well, why are you doing it that way? Oh, mm -hmm. well, because I'm making this assumption and we've done it this way in the past and it didn't work and now we're trying it this way. Okay, cool. And you can draw all that out. I think that the danger of doing it alone is that we make so much many assumptions about what's going on in our business yeah. because it's built over time. We're doing it every day. We forget that it's even a decision anymore. It's just mm -hmm. the you know, standard operating procedures. It's just what we do. You need that extra party in the conversation to say, you know, some outside eyes that, essentially. Yeah. Right. Maybe we shouldn't be doing it that way. Why, why'd you make that decision? Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And kind of reassert your your end goals essentially, and go, okay, if this is really what our goal is, then what's really the best path to, to navigate through that? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, is before we kind of wrap up because we're we're gonna wind down here, but you know, are there are there specific action steps that you would think that anybody can implement that they're if they're not already implementing some form of automation in their in their marketing campaigns or the customer service or in their engagement sequences? Like, what is there one or two things that they could walk away with today and go implement right now that can move the needle, increase their profitability, help them with conversion, re-engage customers, any of those types of activities that they could focus on? Yeah, I would say start collecting that data yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. It's the easiest thing to set up an automation with like Zapier to output all of your data to a Google sheet and start collecting it because that's, that's the decision maker. That's what helps you make an informed decision in your business. So you need to start building that right now. Mm -hmm. And then your first steps, start thinking about those areas where you can make a decision in your flow because something happened. The pet peeve that I always have is if I'm getting sold to try and buy a product, you know, or a webinar or something, and I join the webinar and I'm still getting the sales emails to join the (laughs) webinar. To me, that is low hanging fruit. Just look for new registrations on the webinar. If the email matches, take them out of the campaign. Mm -hmm. So look for those low-hanging fruit ideas where, okay, I, Just this is the experience. end goal, right? Yeah. This is the, the thing that I wanted you to do that I'm trying to get to you for, and you did it and do something with that so that you're not you know, beating, beating them to death with the idea that join the webinar. I did. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So, so, so like another great use case in that would be, you know, somebody signs up for a digital product, but they've been charged, they've got it, but they've never clicked and logged in and maybe you've got permissions to send them a text message and hey just click here exactly. and make sure right. you access our content right. yeah hey right. i noticed you haven't logged in it's been five days I, want to make sure you're getting the most out of whatever yeah, yeah right yeah. Whatever, whatever your follow-up copy wants to be again i don't write copies so please ignore <laughs> <laughs> my my attempts at explanation of good copy perfect all right well, unless you've got any others, then we're going to wrap up for today. But Rich, I'm thank good. you so much for jumping in. Everybody, feel free to reach out to him. And best way to reach you, Rich, is going to be from your website, I'm guessing? Yes, bowtiebots.com. Fantastic. All right. Thanks so much. And we'll catch You're you next time. You're very welcome. Have a great day.